out of nowhere, the blanket was just kind of yanked from my, you know, my neck and down to my feet. And I was like, and I was kind of holding on to the blanket too. So it wasn't like I threw it down. It was kind of like I was just sitting there with like my, my hands had like no blanket in anymore. And also I looked down and threw about just on my feet. I'm like, ah, oh, God, that didn't just happen. everybody welcome back to wicked garden podcast this is episode 22 uh west virginia weird wild wonderful really friggin' weird <laughs> with les odell weird wild and wonderful yeah right? with our mm-hmm. guest les odell who was really a uh, great guest and kind enough to come on with us and um we're also going to have uh charlie from in the shadow of big red eye and this is going to be a long episode um this one will be this one will set a record it, it will be very long. Yes. And that's because uh, we're working on Beyond the Garden Gate. We're working on putting out another episode, um, you know, so we can get that repackaged and put into a different uh, category and re-release so, it. But there's a real story behind why it's so long. Three Irish guys walked into a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. So between McGuire, Odell, and uh, Larson. Larson, we had three Irish guys entertain Mike while I was out of town, which is really why it's so long. Right. And uh, as always, I am your host, Mike. I'm your co-host, Tracy. And um, yeah, it's it's a long one, but a good one. Um, so what we'll do is uh, we'll just take care of a little bit of business. If you have a cryptid sighting, a haunting, a UFO sighting, we would love to hear about it please get in touch with us at our email, which is wickedgardenpodcast at gmail.com. And you can also get in touch with us on our hotline. You can record up to a three-minute story there um, or leave your contact information and we'll give you a call back and you can be on the show. And that number is 609-800-5130. So without any further ado, let's bring on Les Odell. And let's welcome Les Odell to the show. Um, Les is a paranormal investigator in West Virginia. Uh, Les, thanks a lot for sharing, uh, you know, the time tonight. I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. Sure. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about um, your organization, West Virginia Cryptids and Strange Encounters? Um, I can't really call it an organization. It's pretty much <laughs> me and... For for the most part, it's me and uh, my son at times. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, because it says uh, you're the co-founder. That's what I was going to ask. Who else yeah. is involved? Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, what it is is I started out several years ago doing paranormal investigating. Um, 
got in, got into that. I've almost probably been. I was. I mean, I've always been interested in the paranormal, but I got into investigating. Probably depends on how you look at it. We're doing investigations, you know, with a group when I used to have a small group, uh, right. probably ten years ago. But that kind of doing it on my own with my son probably 15 years ago. Okay. Um, and you basically are taking reports down in West Virginia, right? And that's what you're investigating. So how, how can people in that area, like, get in contact with you? What's the best way to get in contact with you? Uh, usually just straight through my Facebook page. It's WV Cryptids and Strange Encounters. Okay. Uh, I do have uh, my personal email Um it's pioneer P I O N E E R less at yahoo.com. For some reason, the, uh, the, uh, group or whatever my, or my page, or whatever you want to call it, the email, for some reason it hasn't worked. So I've never re redone it or set another one up. <laughs> we could, when we first started, we couldn't get ours going either. So, uh, I, I feel your pain. So yeah, the, the obligatory question, right? Whenever anybody interviews you, um, how did you first get interested in the paranormal? I know for me, it was through some personal experiences, but you know, how did you, how did you get interested? Um, as far as the parent, you know, like the whole paranormal side, other than like cryptids and stuff to that, like of that nature, uh, it was something that happened to me as a, at some, you know, at a young age. Um, I was, I was seven or eight years old. I, I can't remember. I just remember what, you know, where I was, where I lived and what grade I was in. So I was, seven or eight years old uh, I lived in an old farmhouse and we we had moved into this farmhouse and it always had a weird feeling to me even as young age I mean I mean and some I mean even some some people could say oh it could be an overactive imagination of a child but I wouldn't see shadows in my in, in my bedroom I see they seem to go from like one one side of the room and would go across the room, you know, to the other side of the room uh, as I was I was I was laying in my bed and I, I shared bunk beds with my brothers at the time. Right. But but after a couple of times, I noticed there was a much larger, taller, like I I yeah one I guess used the term shadow person or shadow figure standing in the corner, and it it almost looked like it would was. I, I use the term overseer of the other ones. It's like as it would just stand and watch them as if they went by these other smaller shadows. And uh, I I would lay there, kind of cringe and be you know it'd be extremely frightened. Really, that's terrifying. Yeah, sure. And I and I could, I remember trying to yell for my dad, and I could never get get it out. I just never could get any kind of sound out. Right. So I just cover. I'd take the blankets and cover over. You know that 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 whole the magical blankets that make everything go away. And <laughs> yeah, as a right. kid, I guess. And then I eventually would peek out, and it would be gone. Well, that happened for a few days. You know, it, I don't remember it being consecutive days. So it, there was times it was spread out. Right. And I re I remember it happened several days or several nights. I should say. And then there was one night that it was there in the corner. And this time, instead of covering up, I actually kind of set up in my bed and, and scooted into the, the uh, like where the bed, the headboard met the wall. 
because it was bumped up against the wall on one side of the bed and the headboard. So it was kind of like in a corner. So I, I scooted up against the wall into that corner. And when I did, it apparently noticed me and rushed from that corner across the room to about, I'd say probably less than a foot from my face. Oh man. And was leaning in, leaning into, you know, over my bed, right into my face. And it just, I don't want to say stared because I couldn't see any features. All I could see was the outline shape of basically a head. Uh, it was extremely dark. It was darker than anything else around it. And it almost looked like the, uh, the darkness was, was like swirling and round, uh, rolling around. Right. And I remember just being terrified and couldn't scream or couldn't yell for anybody. And it just kind of glided or, or however, however you want to, how, I don't know how to describe it, but it didn't, I'm not saying it faded, but it just like moved back and went out the door of my room. And that was the last time I saw it because we, we moved not too long after that. Oh God. Thank that's, God. that's pretty much how I got started. Yeah. That's a hell of a baptism into the subject, man. Wow. So I saw the reason I got interested in you in particular, and wanted to interview you because I saw your Fayette County PA um, video, uh, your Bigfoot video. And I think nowadays you're spending a lot more time uh, on Bigfoot, right? So I saw that video and I was just really impressed with the way you went about the investigation and collecting evidence. It was a great video. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, just want, was wondering, any, any updates on that case since then? Uh, no, I haven't, I haven't got anything from him. Uh, there's been a couple other people contact me said that they've told me, you know, in the past in, in that area and surrounding areas that they've had, you know, encounters with what they call Bigfoot, but nothing from him yet. Um, okay. So I don't know if it yeah. was something that was passing through where right. he lived right, or, or, or whatnot. Yeah. So is, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in West Virginia. I used to visit West Virginia a lot when I was in my former career um, in the casino industry. I used to, you know, go out to Wheeling and to Charlestown and that kind of stuff. And I was in there, I was in that state probably like five times a year. And it's just absolutely beautiful state. Um, and there's a lot of different, uh, you know, hauntings, cryptids, a, a lot of stuff mm -hmm. going on down there. But um, would you say right now, Bigfoot is like your most active subject that you're kind of looking into. Uh, it, it has, you know, since I've started the West Virginia cryptids and strange encounters page that, you know, that was, it, it seems to be a focal point of it. Uh, but I've gotten everything from, uh, you know, ghost stories to uh, a, a lizard cupacabra thing. This guy called, wow. he, I called it, um, but yeah, it's been a lot of Bigfoot. But then in January this year, I got a few reports of flying humanoid things or, or, or flying, you know, almost what they, I don't want to say Mothman, but that's kind of like what they were describing. Right, right. Like a little rash here in January. Yeah. Wow. So is there a particular, when we talk about the Bigfoot subject in West Virginia, is there a particular area that's really high in activity? Uh. More, more of it, of it, it seems to come from the Monongahela National Forest. Okay, that's a that's a mountainous area. Um, 
that is, I believe, is close to a million acre national forest. Right. If I remember right. Yeah. Uh, it, but it spans all through, all through it. Uh, it just seems like that. I guess maybe because of the uh, the expanse of it, and uh, some of it has some of it's pretty remote. Um, there's one area that I do like to go to. Um, it's called the it's called the Dolly Sods area. Uh, it's they actually it's actually been given a nickname as uh, little little Canada. Uh, it's you got you know spruce trees, uh, cranberry glades, and and all kinds of stuff like that, and marshes, and but it's at you know anywhere from I think three thousand up to almost four thousand feet sea level, below sea level. So it's 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 a pretty pretty interesting place there. Yeah, it's a lot of good squatchy habit, habitat too, with what you're describing there, um, with the plants and. And what goes on. So are there any areas though in West Virginia where like someone would be really surprised, um, maybe more, you know, around like a city area, uh, where there is some decent squatch activity? Uh, believe it or not, there's been a few, quite a few, and there's even a few, uh, historical accounts, uh, in the Braxton County area, uh, around Flatwoods and Sutton. Uh, where you, you, you've probably heard the the famous Flatwoods monster or the Braxton County monster. Roxy. Yeah. Um, but there there have been several sightings in that area. Wow. Is there a particular case um, from down in your area that really like impacted you? You heard it and you're like, oh, you know, because it seems like more and more of your videos on your YouTube channel are, are more and more nowadays about Bigfoot. So it seems to be where you're kind of concentrating. But was there a particular case where you went out and, you know, went to a witness or an eyewitness, and it, it, it really kind of impacted you? Um, actually, I just, I just, I haven't been able to go to the location yet, but I just got a, an account recently, but it, it's, it's, it's several years old, that it has, has some strange features to it. Um, uh, the guy contacted me and told me that he saw a, he described as a, a, a ten around ten foot. Wow! Uh, he said almost looked like a large gorilla, but it also had a head that seemed to be of uh, like a, a wolf shape. Um, very very large. Uh, the the strange the strange attributes of this one is when it he said when it crossed the road in front of him. This this is weird. You know, they, you always hear something about the paranormal Bigfoot stuff. Right. But his car actually shut off. The car shut off. The lights went off. The street light that that was near went off. And this is near a, a pretty good sized town, just outside of Wheeling. Wow. So that one that one has caught my interest here lately. I'm hoping to. I mean, but it happened several years ago. But I'm hoping to meet him in person here, probably sometime soon. Wow. That's that's a. <laughs> 10 foot upper like a like an upright canine almost right well that's what i try to ask you know, i hate to, this to use the term dog man because i know everybody hates yeah it. We, <laughs> we we went we went back and forth with that right um um i said you know i sent him pictures of dog man the, the you know the typical dog man you see on, online and he's like no he said this was more gorilla shape the legs high in hind end and all that stuff was a gorilla shape the longer the long arms uh the chest and waist were all pretty much one 
one size. Wow. Not like a, you know, a tapered size. Uh, but he said it looked like it had a go, almost like a, a wolf face. And I sent him another picture of what some call a type four Bigfoot. It okay. has a snout and all that. Right. And he said that's extremely close, he, that it was really, really close. So I'm still, on, still trying to figure out what, what it was he actually saw. Right. So it, that kind of leads me into my next line of questioning, you know, with you doing so much Bigfoot investigating, and we're actually um, kind of affiliated with In the Shadow of Big Red Eye, which is a YouTube um, show that Mike Fomalant does up here. Uh, you know, he does his own Bigfoot YouTube show. Um, so, you know, Bigfoot was a, a pretty good area of concentration for us over last year. And I know mm-hmm. there's always that debate about it being a physical, physical creature. Like, where do you stand on that right now? What, what do you think? Um I mean, if you, if you listen to the accounts of every, of everyone, take every of all the accounts that you, you grab and you have the, you have the, the paranormal side, which is, you know, the, the interdimensional and stuff like that. Right. You have, you know, the, 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 the physical side or the flesh and blood, which, which to me, even if it is like an interdimensional thing or whatever, it's still probably a flesh and blood animal. I mean, it's not going to, you know, a spirit transverse, you know, dimensions. I mean, even if it's coming from someplace else, it's still probably to me has to have, if it can leave physical evidence, right. It's got weight. It's got substance. It's got something to it. Is it, is it a primate? I, you know, I really couldn't tell you. Um, it, I mean, with everything, but, but most of the stuff I get here, lends to just a physical animal. I mean, I've not heard a whole bunch of odd, strange things except for the one I just got. I mean, right. the one I just received, that's probably the strangest one I've heard. But most of them, and, and I've been out several times, quite a few times in the woods, and just a couple months ago, it was the first time I've ever found a, a footprint. And I can't say what it was. I'm not going to say it's Bigfoot, you know. But this was in the middle, middle, of, uh, you know, pretty good forest area, a pine forest area, middle of winter. Uh, it it's you know 14 inches long, much bigger than my foot. And I wear a size 13 or 12 shoe, right? And it's it's 13 to 14 inches long and five and a half to six inches wide. So there had to be something that made that footprint. You know, some there has to be some physical body. So right, if it's if it has special abilities, who knows? I mean, I, there's a lot of people out there that tells you, yeah, this is what it is. That's what it is. I can't because there's nothing right there in front of me to actually look at and say, yeah, this came through this portal or it's just an animal running wild in the woods. I, I can't make that determination myself yet. I'm still on the fence on a lot of it. Uh, yeah. I'm, you know, I don't know if because of a little bit of analytical thinking or logical thinking like, you know, the paranormal side of stuff. Like I've done, you know, with, with, or, you know, investigating it. I, I keep some of that even with Bigfooting. Uh, I don't know how many Bigfooters, if they do, I I carry dowsing rods with me for when I'm Bigfoot. I carry K2 meter when I go Bigfooting. 
because if it is a paranormal thing, if it does transverse one one you know dimension or another or opens a portal, that's going to give some kind of there's going to be some kind of way to see that or, or, or record that. So I carry that stuff with me. Right. You know, why not? Yeah. So I, I, and why can't it be both? Like you're saying, you know, it has some kind of physical aspect to it, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I struggle with that question too. I'm starting to get to the point where I'm not even going to worry about answering it anymore. I mean, obviously people are seeing, what they're saying, you know, people aren't making up stories. Um, somebody's seeing a creature. Um, and you know, all of last year, I was absolutely convinced. I was listening to a lot of the stuff that, you know, uh, the wood ape conservancy guys did and, and all that other stuff. And I had myself convinced it was an absolute physical creature. You know, there is, I think people underestimate how much open space there, there is in this country. And, you know, I, I was kind of leaning that way and over we started gifting in an area um, where there was actually a sighting last June here in New Jersey. And we started gifting in this area, which I won't mention. Um, And we started getting some stuff back. We were getting responses. There's some videos that I have up on my website of it uh, or actually on my Facebook page. And then there was the end of that gifting. Um, which was amazing was there was something actually placed in our car that could not have been placed in our car because the doors were locked and the windows were locked Um, on a trip home from this gifting. Basically what it was, was there was some signage up um, in this old, it's a nature preserve and it used to have some old street signs in it. Mm -hmm. So we did a little bit of gifting and we went back to drop off another gift and we walked back about two miles into this nature preserve. Um, and we got back in the car and drove home. And later on that night, my wife comes in and she's white as a ghost. And she has one of the signs from, you know, one of the roads inside the nature preserve. And it's in the back of our Subaru windows were not open. When doors were locked, you know, there was no way this could have got in there, you know, short of she or I putting it in the car. Um, there was no other way we had left the car locked, all that other good stuff. And that ha- that has swung me back towards the paranormal, <laughs> which I think for anybody, it would probably swing them back towards the paranormal, you know, but I, I've made a, uh, a commitment to get out and do a little bit more field work this year. Because every time mm-hmm. I see myself leaning one way or the other, I want to make sure I get back out and do some field work. So I, that's what I think I'm going to do this year is try to get back out, get on some of these expeditions with the guys from In the Shadow of Big Red Eye, get out with those guys and, and actually get back out in the field. But, you know, as as I've evolved through this whole subject with the Bigfoot thing, it, it's become less important to me, you know, to define what it is. Is it a physical creature? Is it... Obviously people are seeing something, obviously the evidence is out there, you know, and I think you're onto something. I think it could actually be both, you know, it could be one of those things where maybe it, it is interdimensional, but when it's here, it definitely has a physical president presence. It leaves footprints. It leaves, it throws rocks, that kind of thing, you know? So we also had a rock throwing incident last year at the same place. So yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I think it could actually be both, definitely. Yeah, I mean, 
other other than the one I just told you about with the lights and stuff, that the only other odd one that I've really had was um, I think the, I think believe he said it was about seven or eight years ago. Uh, he was it was a delivery man. Uh, he was de- making a delivery to I think, believe uh, or coming from a, a dairy farm, and I can't remember if he said he was going or coming. I can't remember for sure, but he remembers seeing something, or he just no, not remembers. He described seeing something in the road a ways uh, in front of him on a stretch, and it was in his headlights, and he realized it was rather large. He said it was at least seven to eight feet tall, uh, extremely wide, the same description, uh, straight, you know, like the body, not tapered, it's just one cylinder, or not cylinder, but like just up and down shape from gotcha. the chest to the waist right. to the hips. Right. Uh, he stopped. He said he was probably about 50 to 75 yards from it. He stopped. His headlights were on it. This thing turned, took a couple steps toward his vehicle, dropped to all fours. As it started to drop, or he said it, the way he describes it, it shrank, it shrank down to all fours. He said shrank down. And in front of his eyes, shifted, shape-shifted, or whatever you want to call it, into a large buck deer and then ran off the road into the woods. Wow. So that that that's another one. That's another, you know, like a skinwalker type deal. Yeah, that gives you question. You know, brings up more questions. Like <laughs> these things that people are seeing. If if a, if a seven to eight foot tall animal can go to completely shape shift to a deer, that would explain to me. You know, when you find these people find tracks that are a trackway that's a few few tracks long, and then next thing you know they're gone. Or do they have that power, that ability? You know, what are what are they? Or I mean, are they just some you know advanced race of animal or being or whatever that lived here or transverse from one place to another? Right. That have these abilities that we're just not you know are, that are that are uh, can, you know us thinking we're the cream of the crop of of, of the world. But we're just not. We're just that conceited that we don't want to see what might else what else might be out there. Right. You know, where where's the, where do they come from? Where do they go? You know, is is a phrase a buddy of mine uses all the time, and it's a great question because I really don't have an answer for it, and I don't know who really does have an answer for it. Right. Right. Yeah, it's a great point. So you, you had actually mentioned the the Flatwood Monster case, and I know you know Small Town did a nice uh, film on on uh, the Flatwoods Monster. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of our listeners here up in the Northeast that may not be completely familiar with it. Could you give us a brief synopsis of what that what that uh, particular case is all about? Uh, what happened, it was September, forgive me for forgetting the day right oh, off don't worry I think it was about September, that, yeah. September 12, 1952. Uh, there were some kids playing football at a local schoolyard, you know, just out playing ball uh, one evening and they saw a red fireball. They, they described it as a red fireball coming across the sky and it appeared to crash or land uh, in a field or in a wooded field area above them. And they, de- they decided to, to run off to investigate it. 
they stopped by their house and grabbed their mother and older cousin. As they approached where this thing appeared to land or crash, they, they noticed a red pulsating light and then apparently were confronted by what they said at the time. Even the newspapers called it a 10 to 12 foot tall creature uh, that almost looked like it was, uh, it had like the the head of it was almost a spade shape. Gotcha. Uh, even the the uh, the witnesses the later described like Freddie and Ed May describe it as being almost mechanical. Uh, some believe, some say it was even biological and mechanical mix, or may had a may have had some kind of suit or mechanical suit. Uh, but it approached them. Uh, there was uh, the presence of nauseous gas or like a sulfur smell. Um, they they then ran from the hill. They all suffered some some effects after that for a day or two. Uh, with their throats apparently burning. Uh, there was a sto- there was even accounts where the dog that was with them died a few days later. Well, that's that's not true. The dog actually lived for several years after. Um, but it was actually investigated within that with a few days after by military. Uh, they found some greasy substance on the ground, some strange tracks or like scrape marks, but they didn't find they didn't find any craft. Uh, some people say that they were just it was just a meteor, which there are you know through my my research there was uh, meteor sightings over part of Ohio, uh, even down into you know Charleston, West Virginia, that night, uh, and. Because of the meteor, you know, when the meteor supposedly hit, they were, you know, when they went up there, they, it was even said by some that it was just a large owl, a large owl that frightened them. And it was through all the, you know, through all the, uh, but there were other accounts later. That's what I was going to uh, ask you. I, I, my, my thought process was that it was just a one-off thing, but actually yeah. there were some follow-up, uh, some follow-up encounters, right? Um. Yes, if, um, <laughs> yes, there there were said to be okay, right. But there was one that was called the Frame Town Monster. It was happened less than twenty four hours later by George Janowski and his family, uh, his wife, and um, I don't remember if it was a young boy, young girl, but it was only like seventeen or eighteen months old. I believe they said in just a few miles away. They, they were traveling. I forget where they're traveling from, but they were on their way back to New York City, which I don't know. I'm trying to remember where they, where they were coming from. But if you go from where they were coming from to New York City, we, you know, I can't figure out, and, and somebody else I've talked to that does research, we can't figure out why they were down in Braxton County. Uh, the area that they talked about, that it happened, kind of doesn't fit descriptions of the area that's actually there. Okay. Uh, that story actually didn't come out until five years after it was in, in a, in a magazine. Huh. Um, so I'm not sure if that one actually right. had any, any validity to it. Did you see project uh, but, blue books take on it? You know, the show, the, the yeah. TV show. What the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they completely just, you know, we're, we're just putting it out there as a case of mistaken identity. Um, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting show, but yeah, they were, they were kind of dismissing the whole thing, but there's actually a, uh, 
there's like a uh, a little get together every year for the Flatwoods Monster, right? Um, there used to be. Oh, okay. I guess there used to be a small festival. Uh, last year they tried to, uh, you know, bring that back and kind of revamp it. And I don't know if it did very well, to be honest with you. Right. But I think they're going to keep trying to, you know, put it out there. Uh, I don't think they embraced the monster legend itself enough. I think they were just trying to make it a kind of a little hokey festival. <laughs> But hopefully, yeah. they, hopefully they can do a little better. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So there's a ton of ghost lore in the state too. And we've actually went and visited trans Allegheny lunatic asylum. And, uh, I'm actually going to, I actually pulled so much evidence that night that we were there that I'm going to be able to do a whole show on it. And that was probably four years ago, but I still got all the audio recordings and God, we must've got a dozen EVPs. We had out loud crying on the third floor. So there's a ton of, ton of, um, you know, interesting ghost stories down in West Virginia, but, um, mm-hmm. what, what places have you maybe be, be off the, uh, be off the beaten path a little bit. What, what places have you gone to down there that, uh, you found some interesting evidence? Um, I mean, yeah, you have the, the larger well-known places like trans Allegheny, you have right. Western Hospital, uh, sorry, Moundsville penitentiary, uh, places like that. But I'm a little different um, as far as, you know, the places I like to go. I don't look to go to the places that have notable, you know, activity. I like to just, if I see some place that, that, that I can get, you know, permission to go into or, or or people talk to me and say, hey, this is seems to have a little legend to it, or, you know, that's what I like doing. Right. Uh, because right. I think some of the bigger places – you go in there, you know what you're hearing, or you know what you're, you you expect to hear. Um, so, I just like to look for that that unknown place. Uh, I, there used to be a place I used to go to that is just here in my in my neighborhood. A lot of people have went to. It's always been a legend called the Witch's Grave, uh, a Highland Church. Uh, but the whole legend of the, the the lady was a witch and this and that. Well, after research, I find out, you know, she wasn't really a witch. She was, she was a spinster lady that had never married, had had a, a good bit of money. Um, because of that, they thought she had some kind of powers because, you know, she was able to, you know, she was just a strong woman and had, in, in back in that day, you know, they just think, well, she that must was be unusual, a witch. Right. <laughs> right. 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 But, but that place has activity. I mean, I have. I've seen an apparition, you know, like a shadow apparition in the graveyard, uh, several EVPs. Uh, I've actually had stuff move in the old church because the church is uh, 18, 1890s, I think it is. Wow. Uh, but I've, yeah, and it's still, it's still a used church. It's, it's a very nice church, but yeah, I've, I've been in there and I've watched a chair like kind of, turn a quarter of a turn, you know, like, I'm like, you know, Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I've laid my camera. I was actually messing with my digital recorder one time and I was sitting on a pew and I, with an outstretched arm to my left, set the camera down and I started hearing a scraping noise and I was wondering where it was coming from. And then all of a sudden I felt something bump up against my leg, but my camera had slid, you know, 
whatever distance, probably two feet from my left side mm-hmm. over and, and hit my leg. Um, and there's, you know, other uh, instances where, like, I, it seemed like there was a male presence in, in, in the church. And that we've had, I've had, you know, fellow investigators that were, that were female go with me. And they see, there were times that they've been, like, poked. Or they've had their hair pulled and, and stuff like that. Wow. But that that's one that I always like to go to. Um, and that's in and, and around, you know, like, where you live? It's close to where you are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think. It's kind of a, kind of a local area. Yeah. Or a local legend. Right. I think what's really gotten difficult over the years, right, is I, I, I don't know how long you've been investigating, like, you know, I, I've been doing it since I was in my thirties. I'm 54 now. And back in the day, you could pretty much go anywhere. And if you could convince somebody to let you in, you know, you got in and you, you got in for free. Nowadays, there's so many places that are commercializing it, you know, like right. I, don't get me wrong. Trans Allegheny does a great job and you always wind up pulling something out of there, but it's a hundred bucks, you know, to get yeah. in. And you know, what, what I try to do is I try to, you know, a lot of our listeners will travel and they'll go through different states and they're always looking for maybe just like an outside public location that they can go check out, you know, at night or something along those lines, or maybe a place that's a little bit more reasonable, like 10 bucks, 20 bucks. It's funny. Um, one of our, one of the places we're affiliated with too is Cape Atlantic Paranormal Research Society um, mm-hmm. down in Cape May. And he, he went on hiatus for about, five or six years. Cause he was, he was in the reserves and you know, he was going back and forth to Iraq. So in that little bit of time that he went, you know, to Iraq and was coming back and forth and, you know, uh, serving the country, he comes back now and he's trying to get in these places and they're like, they're trying to like charge him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, what we try to do is, you know, Hey, if you, you know, if you're down this way, check this place out, that type of thing, you know, uh, you know, free some places up for people because it's getting really crazy with the commercialism anymore. Well, th- there's one place, uh, cause you have the Moundsville prison right. in, in Moundsville, West Virginia, in Moundsville penitentiary, the, the old, the old penitentiary. Um, there is a place that a buddy of mine, I can't say buddy, buddy, but he, he's an acquaintance. I've got to know over the couple of years, past couple of years. He runs a little small museum called I, I, yeah sorry, Archives for Afterlife. Uh, he, I don't know you you may know him Steve Hummel. Um, he's been on a few thing a few shows here and there, but he his museum is in, in a larger building that used to be an old school. It's called the Stanford Center. Okay. He will hold he will hold pri- or, or uh, public uh, little investigations. That, that he's able to his part of his mu- his museum part, uh, other rooms of the school, not not the whole school because there's other business in there. But it's usually like ten bucks, and I've heard I haven't got the chance to go yet, but I've heard other people say they've they've caught some like, pretty neat evidence, some EVPs wow. and some odd stuff coming from some of the haunted uh, relics he has. Uh, you know, if you want to. Point people in that direction if they're in Moundsville. Look up the archives of Afterlife, okay, and see when they might have a have a you know an investigation going on. He does it probably. I don't know. It seems like about every couple months he'll have one. Yeah, uh, I'll definitely yeah. On, definitely put it yeah. in the show notes, you know, so everybody can check it out. Well, that's a that you know you can't beat ten bucks, right? I mean, come on. No, no, <laughs> yeah. Plus, it's great and. 
Yeah, plus you get access, I guess, to his collection and check everything out. And yeah, that's fantastic, yeah. man. That's a great place. Yeah, I'll definitely put that in the show notes for everybody. Even so, even the tour his small even the tour his small museum is like five dollars a person, and then he gives a discount if you have like three or more people or something or used to, you know, three or more people, and then it, it's a neat thing to look around if you're in that area and check it out. And yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate you turning us turning us on to that, man. Um, so. You know, one of the crazier things that I've seen, um, you know, stories coming out of West Virginia too are about these giant skeletons. Mm-hmm. What is that all about, Les? <laughs> okay, so you now you got my now you got something really interesting because I've been working <laughs> on this for a little while. Actually, actually, the, the the town I actually work in is called Reesville, West Virginia. Okay, I actually have a book sitting here in front of me, and it, that's where I learned about this is from that book. Well, I've, I, I heard the rumor about it years ago but there's a book that come out it's basically um kind of a history of marion county west virginia and it talks about skeletons giant skeletons being found in reesville palatine and down the road a little bit almost it, it kind of crossed the mon county barrier uh in what they call the white day creek area okay there is if you put put it all together, back in the 1700s and the 1800s, there was there was evidence, I guess you'd call it, of what they called the Macadam Road, uh, the the Muscle Shell Road, well Muscle Shell Road or Macadam Road. Okay. What that means is they took rocks and they they lined these rocks and they took crushed mushroom shells and basically made a mortar and it spanned from the area of the tiger and the West Fork river where they converged to make the Mon river. And this road supposedly ran along the East bank of the Mon river to an area called Catawba, which back then was called Newport. And along that road, there have been giant skeletons found ranging anywhere from seven to eight feet. Um, the ones that were found in Reesville. And this is, found this a, is a definite, right? Like these things existed. People took pictures of them. They, uh, this is 100% true evidence. This is, that's the thing. I'm, that's the thing I'm trying okay. to get to. Okay. That's, that's what I'm trying to determine yet. Okay. Um, there hasn't been that I can find any pictures. There's just the counts that, uh, historical accounts where they've been talked about in that, you know, now as far as the mounds and stuff like that in the Southern part of West Virginia, that's a whole different story. I'm not real versed on the, on those yet, but the, in, I've looked into evidence, you know, claiming or looked into things where the, the doctor that supposedly examined them and stuff like, and things like that the ones that were found in Reesville. So I wanted to look and see if the, that those people that were accounted or, you know, attributed to this story right. or account were, were real. Right. You know, who knows? Well, I, well, yes, there is the doctor. There was a doctor that existed by the doctor, the name uh, that is attributed to finding the, that examined the, uh, the skeletons. The guy that was the foreman or whatever you want to say of the crew that was digging the foundation for the bridge where the skeletons were found, 
he's a real person, and he he is buried less than a mile from that location. The doctor is buried probably three or four miles from that location. Um, so I you can tried, definitely, tried I mean, yeah, you you know these guys were around. Now you're just, you know, yeah. you're just trying to dig a little deeper and all. that's that's amazing. It uh, it talks about they were buried in a cemetery called the Jolliffe Cemetery, and they give print or in parentheses the town of Reesville. Well, there wasn't, there was, there's no, there's no uh, Jolliffe Cemetery in Reesville. But after doing some research, and when I first started doing it, I found a cemetery that was in another county. To me, it's, probably, it's actually the Jolliffe Cemetery. But to me, maybe it's just too far away for the time, for that time period. It's too, the distance too far. Mm-hmm. So I started looking into other cemeteries around the area, and the first one I went and looked at was just basically across the river. Uh, there's an there's an old uh, fort in an area. It's called Prickett's Fort. It's a pretty pretty well known fort in the area. Uh, there's a there's a cemetery there. It has a waterway that comes into the back of the cemetery off the river, which is, like I said, just across the river from Reesville. I did find a plot in that cemetery that's decent size and pretty, you know, not de- not real big, but it fits the time frame of, of a Jolliffe family. So at first I thought that was it. That, that's where they, you know, if they did exist, they're, they're buried here somewhere. Then I come across the map. I come across this map and was looking at the map and noticed that there was a land plot that belonged to Jay Jolliffe. So I tracked down that land plot and I talked to one of the, the one of the people that live on that land plot still. He's a descendant of the Jolliffe. There's Jolliffe that still live on the backside of the land plot. And I asked him, I said, is there a, is there a family cemetery on this property? He said, no, there's not. He said, the only thing there is, and I'm standing here on this back porch and I could see this hill behind us. Right. He said, the only thing that we have is, is this right here. He said, this is our, uh, what's always been known as the Indian barrel mount. Nobody really knows. Not too many people knows that that's a mount that, you know, so I'm, I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. And he told me, went on to tell me about how, when he was a kid, it was fenced off. They were never allowed on it. You know, it was kind of sacred right. little piece of ground. Mm-hmm. And I took pictures. Of it. And then when I was getting ready to leave, he goes, by the way, he said, across the road, up on the hill, there's a cemetery. So I went, I went up, the cemetery, up on that cemetery. And most of them, when you, when you drive into the cemetery, most of the stones and stuff are more modern, you know, that marble look and stuff sure. like that. Right. So I was, I was pretty disappointed. And so I just still got out and walked around. Well, as I got to the middle, I could see in the back, one back corner that there's this very large, very large dead tree, you know, just a stub probably, I don't know, 10, 12 feet tall. And beside it was a large 15 or so foot tall cedar pine, which I knew from doing, you know, re- doing research and stuff like that, that a lot of old family plots were put near large trees. And cedar pine was always used. I, I, I'm not sure why, but they always planted cedar pines around the, around the graveyard. So as I started walking back toward that graveyard, I started noticing stones that said Jolliffe, Jolliffe, Jolliffe. So there's a nice Jolliffe 
plot in this this newer cemetery. And it's an old plot. As you stand at that that bank, you know, with that tree, you look straight across, you can see the mound. So I thought, well, that's interesting. So then I went on after I had done that is when then I went to find to see if the doctor was an actual person. Right. Found out he found that he was. Found out where he was buried. Found out like a write up his life, and and stuff and, and things like that. And I was going through reading it, and something something caught my eye in in, in, his, in his his biography, and it said he was a member of the MP Church, and I couldn't figure out why that that made you know made me think at first, and then I remembered that map, so I pulled that map back out again. And right beside that mound, and right across from that graveyard, there's the church. It's, it's called MP Church back in the 1800s. So for me, with him being the doctor, he being the doctor, the mound being in that area, the Macadam Road ends right there. There's a water source coming off the river called Little Creek that comes into there. The Jollof Cemetery, or the Jollof plot in that bigger cemetery, which is the old, older part of the cemetery, I think they're buried in that cemetery if they did exist, the ones that were found in Reesville. Right. The ones that were found in Palatine, nobody knows. They were to- they, There's a rumor that they were reburied or they were sold off in the antiquities market back in, back in the 1800s. So it, it, it's, it's still yet to be found or seen, or, you know, if they did exist. Yeah, it sounds like you're right in a yeah. mix of figuring it out. Oh, that's amazing, man. I'm hoping to. Yeah, I'm hoping to. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's amazing, man. That's that's great stuff. And I noticed too, you guys. Uh, I'm you know I'm following along your Facebook page because uh, I knew you know you and I'd be talking soon. And uh, you guys are are kind of going through the same thing we're going through up in this area where you're starting to get a lot of big cat reports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean how. <laughs> I, I love the fact that these things aren't supposed to exist. And then every other, yeah, every other week, somebody's, <laughs> somebody's got a video of one going through their backyard or, or something along those lines. You, you getting a ton of that stuff nowadays? Uh, I got a, I got a rash of them a while back. I, I, like if I remember right, I probably got like 40 or 50 people saying they've seen them and it's usually in one area. Right. Um, but I have talked to three different, Three, okay, let me say, let me rephrase it. I've talked to two DNR officers. Uh, one was a retired DNR officer. He he had 45 years of service with the DNR. Right. He said, "I will tell you this." He said, "We can say we do say they don't exist." He said, "What we're he said that's kind of a our way of crossing words." He said, "We say they don't <laughs> exist, or they don't." He said, "He's here's how he put it." He said, "We say." The eastern mountain lion do, does not exist. They yeah. are extinct, right. which is probably true. Right. Uh, the other fellow basically told me the same thing. He said, I can't say they do. I can't say they don't. But I did have something come up here a few months ago that was extremely interesting. Uh, I, I go to a local gun shop and, and uh, you know, sporting goods shop, it's, you know, a small you know, mom pop shop here in our area. And I go use a gun here and buy my ammo for stuff and, and things like that. So I walked in one day and I was talking to 
to the owner and just, you know, BSing back and forth. And I said, hey, you know, let me ask you a question. He knows that I go by Bigfoot and stuff like that. And he's because he's seen, he, he's, he has seen my shirts and stuff I wear. Sure. Right. And we talked. I said, let me ask you a question. And I said, have you anybody, has any of your customers, hunters or whatever, ever come in here, say they've seen any big cats? And he kind of straightened up, looked at me, and kind of cocked his head sideways, you know, like that hey, motion, you know, motion for me to come over to a different part of the counter. Right, right. So I walked to the other end of the counter, and he looked around. I mean, it was like we was on, like, some covert mission or something. And he looks at me, and he said, several years ago, he said, I had a customer come in. He said, he's always been, he's, he's I've known him for years. He's, he's a repeat customer. Uh, he said, we've gotten to be pretty well acquainted with one another. He said, uh, this guy came in, he said, looked at him, he said, and I won't, I won't say the the, the fellow's name, the, the, owner, the shop owner, but he said, he said, he called him by his last name. He goes, I killed a mountain lion. And, and the you know, shop owner's like, yeah, BS, no, you didn't. Right. He said, yeah, I, I swear I killed one. And this was like near the county line of Marion, uh, Marion County and Wetzel County, I guess. And he's like, no, no, you didn't. He said that, you know, he said, I'm telling you, I did. He said, come to my house. It's in my freezer. <laughs> he said, I didn't believe him. He said, no, he said, I didn't believe him first. He said, but I did go to his house. And he said, I went, he went into his garage. I believe it was. He opened the deep freeze and he said, there it was. He said, there's a mountain lion in his freezer. Damn. He said, I held it in my hands. I held it in my hands. And he said, I didn't believe it. And he said, at first, I didn't know what to do. So he later, I think he told me a couple months later, he went fishing with his brother-in-law in, in another in another county. Yeah. And his brother-in-law is, actually, is an actual DNR officer. So he said, oh, we're sitting there fishing. And just to strike up a conversation, you know, he said, I didn't know what to say to him at first. He goes, he looks at it. He said, I look at him. He said, Hey, Custer and I come in and said they killed a mountain lion. And he said, his brother-in-law said, yeah, probably. And he said, no, it wasn't probably. He said, I held it in my hands. He said, I don't doubt it. <laughs> so he said, I was a little, a little taken back by that. He said, what do you mean? And I guess his brother-in-law looked at him and told him, he said, that there's no, most likely no native mountain lions in West Virginia. He said the only way to tell that, he said, is they all they would have to have a DNA test or an, or a test for inoculations. Here's how his brother-in-law put it: the ones that were released have been inoculated. Not only that, if you the best way to even before having that test done, the ones that were released have a tattooed number on the inside their upper lip. So what, you know, does that mean DNR released mountain lines back in West Virginia, <laughs> Pennsylvania, Ohio? I, yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. yeah, that's crazy. I mean, we, we, we're, we have a lot of rumors here in Jersey about coyotes. Um, you know, there's like this whole thing in Jersey about um, how coyotes have been released by fishing game in order to decrease the, the deer population because hunters aren't doing their job, you know, 
And it's basically like it, we have this whole coyote. Um, it's like a conspiracy. <laughs> and it, it gets written up all the time. And, it, it, you know, it's like, it, hey, the insurance companies are in cahoots with Fish and Game. And that's what this is all about. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty crazy info, man. I mean, I mean, as far as coyotes here, they they were released here. I mean, that's that's just. I mean, right. as far as I'm concerned, that's that's a fact. Yeah. I mean, growing up all my life in the woods and stuff, I never heard, seen, or, or knew a coyote Absolutely. until the past like about 15 years. Exactly. 10, 15 years. Now they're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, now, like, when we do a lot of Bigfoot hunts here in the Pine Barrens, you know, you'll hear them at night now. You never used to hear them, like, you know, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they say that a lot of it has to do with the wolves being reintroduced, and, you know, coyotes are an interesting animal. They say also that if a mother who's pregnant, coyote, uh, you know, that's having babies, is anywhere near, uh, you know, the, the cries of another coyote that's dying, it'll have an extra, it'll have an extra pup. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. Now, I don't know if that's true, but they're really adaptable animals, man. It's crazy. Well, I guess they're now even saying that research is saying they're coming out, you know, cause they're basically here. Coyote hunts or whatever you want to call it. Right. Season is basically open season, no matter what. <laughs> right. Cause they've gotten that bad. Now they're saying that it's the, you know, when people are shooting them or shooting or hunting them, it puts them in some kind of drive, some other kind of mode, some a survival drive mode. Yes. Yes. They start, they start reproducing more. Yes. To, yes. Yeah. That's crazy, man. You know, you wonder how many of these missing people in the woods, you know, may have fallen prey to some of these coyotes, you know, it really does make you wonder. Well, I, I know one account here in West Virginia that happened, I'm going to say it's probably less than five years ago. Uh, a, a fella and his children were at a local lake uh, fishing, and he heard something growl behind him. He turned around. There was a coyote coming, sneaking up behind him. He actually went to, you know, tried to shoot, you know, scared off. Right. He kicked at it. It actually attacked his boot, bit through his boot and stuff. Uh, but eventually, I guess it ran off. Um, but also, and then here, when I was out one time, this last year, last summer, my son was with me. My youngest son, or, or not my youngest son, my younger son. My oldest son is the one that goes with me quite, you know, does the. But we were just camping. We was at a, a location where somebody called us about Bigfoot activity, and we went out and we're setting up tent. And this, this is during sunlight i mean it's still nice and daylight and, and he goes hey dad he said here comes a deer down to the woods and i'm like where and there's a logging road comes down but it's it's been a logging road from like 30 years ago right and i could see something and all of a sudden i noticed it wasn't a deer it, it was a coyote coming it was sneaking into our camp in broad daylight wow so they're 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 bold yep. i mean raising animals yep. yeah Wow. So we wouldn't be a uh, complete talking about West Virginia if we didn't talk a little bit of Mothman and you at the beginning of the show, were talking about how you had some recent reports about winged, um, humanoids. So could you share a little bit of that information? Um, and for some reason, a month of 
January. I mean, there was one that happened in December, but it came to me in January. Like a little rash of people seeing a flying, I guess you'd say humanoid. Um, right. The one, the first one I got was, well, actually, the first one was, it was told to me came from not too far from where I work. Uh, the, the fella and uh, I guess a coworker, if you guys, they were, they were newspaper delivery guys. So however you want to put it, there's two of them that were delivering papers together that night. Yeah. They're out we're coming early. On the road. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was somewhere around 3, 3 a.m. They were coming down the road on Route 19 just outside of Fairmont, between Fairmont and Morgantown, or Fairmont and Reesville, sorry. And they see some, what they call a dark human, look like a dark shadow standing in the road. When their headlights hit it, this thing spread wings, had glowing red eyes, flapped once, and shot straight in the air. That happened the first week of January. Wow. The, the day that I got that one, later that night, okay, now I'm not saying they, they happened that close together. Just the stories, me me receiving the, the the accounts did. Later that night, somebody contacted me, left me a message, and said, "Hey, I need to talk to you about what I saw in Braxton County." So I actually called them, talked to them. Actually went to Braxton County. Uh, they were driving up Route Four, uh, outside of uh, an area which is kind of. Odd because it's actually called Strange, West Virginia, in Braxton County or just outside <laughs> Braxton County. Right. Uh, they were driving uh, home from toward from Strange, West Virginia, and I think it was eight something, eight thirty something, eight thirty seven or something. If I remember right, eight forty seven. And it was foggy. They said, and it was him and his daughter, and they noticed something, you know, setting on the guardrail. And where where they seen this, the guardrail's only about three feet off the blacktop. Right. And as they drove by, it looked like he said a five foot tall human owl cross, whatever you want to call it, squatting on the guardrail with wings. Well, his daughter, he said, I didn't quite see the wings. He said, but his daughter swears she saw wings move and the eyes gave a red glow to them. And when they turned around and went back, there was nothing there. Um, the other one I got was actually from the Fayette County, West Virginia, which is down around, I don't know if you know, the uh, New River Gorge area, where the New River Gorge Bridge and stuff is a pretty famous area in West Virginia. Yep. Um, kind of familiar. Yep. Yeah, it's, it used to be the largest single-span bridge in the world. Yeah. It used to be. They actually, they have, they have, Bridge day where they where they where they uh, skydive, parachute, base jump, whatever you call off that bridge every year. Right. Um, but they, this guy and uh, some friends or family of his were doing a night hike. Uh, they rounded a turn in a certain or rounded a, a part in the the uh, trail in a certain area, and they noticed a figure on the rock cliff not too far from them, and this thing. I guess glided, swooped, or however he described it, off the rocks over top of them with a loud screech, and it had 
and it gave off, uh, he said, almost, a, uh, he called it sulfur uh, and brimstone, or however he put it, like a very horrible smell, and they all felt sick and and stuff for a couple of days. And that was, that's the interesting thing with all of those accounts. Yeah. Um, the ones that, the, the one of the guys that seen the thing in Reesville um, on Route 19, he ended up in the hospital a few days later. They couldn't figure out what wrong with him. He ended up having issues with, uh, I think it was his bowels or, bowel or something. He had a, um, you know, was he? It was extreme, that extremely sick. Two of the, the the young girl from the Braxton County one, she was sick for several days. Uh, the yeah, and the one from Fayette County, they all got nauseous. He said, um, "How well, how did?" Extremely fatigued, that's the word. They were all extremely fatigued, like, you know, almost like flu-like symptoms. Yeah, I mean, that, this right. is flu, that was flu right. season and stuff, but it's just weird that those accounts or you know, all that. All in different spots. Across. Yeah. Yeah. And they were all, all, you know, some kind of illness afterwards. And there, then the fourth one I got was actually over, over, near uh, Hagerstown, Maryland, you know, that area uh, outside of Berkeley, what, Berkeley County, West Virginia. Uh, the fellow was a, he, he works on the, the railroad. He was actually, uh, I can't remember if he said the engineer or conductor on the train. I, I can't remember which. Okay. Uh, they were, they were delivering the train to a certain area. They were coming up to a, a bridge area and he was actually in the engine and saw this thing come off the bridge, swoop down over the train. He didn't see the face, but he said it definitely was not an owl. It was huge. It had, you know, kind of human, humanoid shape to it. And he also, I said, did you, did you have any physical effects after? And he told me the exact same thing. He felt sick and extremely fatigued for several days. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, when I when I saw my UFO, it was an orange orb, um, and it was up near Wellsboro, PA. And I didn't get sick after I saw it, but I was in a, I would say I was in a daze, probably mm -hmm. for about two weeks afterwards, where it, it was the most bizarre thing. I've talked about it before on this show, and I actually was on UFO Chronicles talking about it, too. But this is the first time you're hearing it. So, I mean, I, we saw this orange orb, and the day I saw it, we were in a campground, and my wife um, and I, we had just walked, and we came back, and we were barbecuing. And I see this orange orb, and I call her outside to see it, and she comes out, she looks up at it, and she goes, oh, that's nice, you know, what did you want on your steak? You know, and she just, she just completely blew it off. And the people across from us that were camping at, at their campers, I, I kind of called over to them and I, I showed them in the sky and they looked up at it and they're like, yeah. And then he went back to having their conversation. So, you know, and normally something like that, that would happen with me last, I mean, like the next day I'd be in work telling everybody, cause I don't care. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm not shy about telling people all the weird stuff that's happened to me my entire life. Cause there's been a ton of it, you know? 
So mm-hmm. I, I'd be the first one out with that story. For whatever reason, I didn't tell anybody in work, didn't tell my parents, didn't tell any of my other family members, none of my friends, nothing for like about two weeks. It was almost as if it was completely out of my mind. And what brought it back to me was about two weeks later, my wife seemed to like shake out of her malaise about the whole thing. As she turned to me, mm-hmm. we were in the corner and she goes, Hey, what do you think about that orange ball we saw a couple weeks ago? And it was the most bizarre. It, it was almost like it had two different effects. Like on me, it just made me forget the next day, but I saw it. It was almost like it was meant for me. You know what I mean? And then for her, it was the direct opposite. It was like, she didn't notice it the day it happened. And then as time went on, it started, you know, coming back up in her memory and she wanted to talk a little bit about it. So, you know, it's interesting that this kind of stuff has that effect on people, you know, and we see that all the time. Like you were talking about with the Flatwoods monster, you know, those people had some effects and, you know, we see it all the time with UFO encounters. People will, you know, have radiation burns and that kind of thing. So yeah, there's always some kind of physical effect to these things, man. It really is. Even some people who have Bigfoot encounters, you know, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll report being sick or, or, or like they, you know, maybe they got zapped with something and it's interesting, mm-hmm. man. It really is. It really is interesting. So let me ask you a question. I, I saw on Facebook, I lost my mother this year and I saw that you lost your dad. Um, and you, mm-hmm. you were talking about an experience that you had when you lost your dad. Yeah. Can you, are you okay talking about that? Um, yeah, yeah. Cause I know yeah, you're yeah. going to, I know you're going to be on, you know, Seth's documentary about it. And I didn't know whether you had to keep quiet about it, but can you share that? Yeah. I mean, I assume yeah, I've never told her I couldn't, I mean, I have before on, on others and, okay. um, so I, I, I don't see why I shouldn't, we shouldn't be able to, um, Forgive me if it if it takes me a few you know breaks up you know if I break you know because it, it it was cause it, it was, it's it's still fresh and recent. Um, my my dad. It was it was five years ago. Well, I lost my mom for this December coming would be five years. So before she passed away, um, she was she was sick at the time. Still, my dad ended up getting he took care of her. Well, he ended up getting sick and they found out that he was going through congestive heart failure. Right. And he ended up going to the hospital. I actually had to call the, cause he wouldn't, he wouldn't leave. He wouldn't leave the house and he laid around and eventually I was like, no, this is, you know, this is enough. So I called him the rescue squad and they took him to the hospital and found out he was in congestive heart failure. Uh, he went through, you know, a series of stuff that has stents and stuff like that put in. Well, that, you know, was, I guess you could say, made him somewhat better. You know, he was still active, still went back to work. Right. And then my mom passed away, and he worked for, uh, I believe it was two more years after that. And I finally said, Dad, when is it, when when's enough? I mean, you're you're up there, you have this going on, and when's enough? For you, it's time for you to retire. Right. And he's like, one day, because I, I I was working with him. I actually come, I I was a truck driver, and I come off the road after Mom passed away and went to work with him just to be with him and take care of him and and be there. 
Gotcha. And he, uh, one morning he's like, it's enough. He said, take me home. So he went and retired, he retired and stuff and still, still is mobile. He, uh, he drove, he done all, all his own stuff, all his own shopping and everything. We went to the mountains the week before Father's Day last year. He drove his own, his own way. Uh, we camped, and the following weekend, I believe it was on a Saturday. I can't remember if he called me on Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember. But he called me and said, hey, I was getting out of bed, and, and I fell. Uh, my leg doesn't feel like it was working, and, and I can't get up. So I went over to his house and helped him up, and he said, it just feels like it's asleep. And uh, he said, it'll be all right. So he said, just go ahead and go home. If I need anything, I'll call you. Well, he called me and my brother a couple more times after that. And I said, Dad, you need to go to the hospital. And he's like, I'll go tomorrow if it's not any better. So I called him early the next morning. He said, yeah, take me to the hospital. Well, they took him in, and they found out his heart congestive heart failure is getting worse and then, then they found out his carotid artery one of them was pretty much gone and the other one was pretty blocked extremely um so he wasn't getting enough blood to his brain and it was caught they they thought it was a stroke at first but it wasn't it just wasn't getting to oxygen and blood to his brain right. so he started losing mobility so he spent i think it was three weeks in the hospital uh they done tests and stuff well as one time during one of the tests, uh, it actually hit them was lost him. So he spent four days in ICU. Went on, went on, and he was a stubborn man. He's like, I just want to go home. <laughs> so he actually signed himself out against medical advice and went home. He was home for two weeks, I think it was. Uh, we took care of him, me and my brothers, my brothers and I, and took turns and shifts and then he ended up back in the hospital for a few days and they told us there was nothing else they could do that he was on even surgery on his neck or his carotid arteries wouldn't help and he's like okay i just want to go home so he we took him home and we it was around the clock care from us uh we got to the point where he was completely, almost completely immobile. He was in a wheelchair. We had to help him do whatever. Right. And so there was two of us staying at all times. Well, on the 12th of August, it was me and there, there's three of us, all three, three brothers. It was me and my brother in the middle who had stayed with him. Well, he had, and I was, and sadly, you know, we had hospice, hospice care and I was the one Appointed to administer his his medication, which was uh, Ativan and morphine. Like when he, because he was getting to the point where he couldn't breathe and he was he would panic and and stuff. And putting him in, he had he was in pain and stuff like that. So I had I that's that was you know my job I guess. So my brother stayed. He and I were staying. He stayed that night. My brother was sleeping on the couch beside my dad's uh, hospital bed in the living room because that's where, you know, where he wanted to be. 
And I actually was I had moved stuff out of the dining room off the off the living room, and had an air mattress on the floor. And that's where I was where I was staying that night. Well, on the 13th of August, you know, it was that late early that morning? I heard him coughing, and and, and knew that he, well, you know, was going to be in a panic. So I got up, me and my my brother and I. And I gave him his medication. Uh, he settled down pretty quick, you know, from, from with the Ativan and stuff like that, which is, you know, kind of a, I don't know if you'll call it muscle relax, whatever it is, it helps him settle right. or relax. Um, I went back and laid on the air mattress. And I, to me, I felt like I had went to sleep. I mean, I, like I had dozed off. And when, and when I woke up, Give him medication. I forgot to put that. It was about 2:30 a.m. in the morning, or 2:30 a.m. And I laid back down, and I it instantly felt like, you know, or or whatever. I started dreaming. And, you know, to me, it was I was dreaming that my eight-year-old son was standing to my right beside the air mattress, and I remember in in the dream, you know, seeing him and asking him, how did you get here? You know, what are you doing here? And in basically who brought you here? Well, I guess even though I was, I guess asleep, I had enough consciousness to realize that he shouldn't be there. So I immediately like, woke up and looked to the side to where he would stay, was, you know, standing in my whatever dream, I guess. Right. And there was this thing standing beside the bed. It was, I don't know, four or five feet tall. Um, it had dark circles, like where, where the eyes were, like they looked like, like real dark circles. Uh, it almost looked like that. To me, it had wings above its shoulders. It had long arms, uh, skinny like long fingers. The feet were kind of blocky looking. The body was kind of one shape. Uh, it was kind of, I almost describe it like a static looking, not, you know, fuzzy. I mean, like a fuzzy, but not fuzzy because my eyes weren't clear, but just it looked most I, I describe it as like if you were looking at an old TV when the old black and white TVs would have right. that static on them, grainy. But it wasn't black and white; it just had that 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 look to it. Um, and I just looked at it, and then it kind of shot off, like across the top of my feet, and into another room that we had blocked off because you know it was an old house, and he had air conditioning in one window. We had that house that room blocked off. Right. And he used it for storage, and it shot off through into that room. And I laid there for a second, and then, then I don't know, I don't know why, but I just rolled over and kind of thought about it for a second or a few seconds, and then I eventually fell asleep again. Um, so I get, we got up that next morning, and my brother left. And I was there for a while, and my my youngest brother had come over, 
and he was the one staying with me that night, which was the night of the 13th, and nothing happened. There was no issues with Dad. He didn't. He didn't fuss. He didn't. Right. He went through, slept through the night, and we got up, and uh, it had to have been like eight something, eight thirty, because I, I I told my brother, I was like, hey, just go home. Dad didn't have any issues. I'll handle it here until you get back. Go home, get breakfast, get something, or you know, get a shower, whatever you need to do. And he left, and hospice called me and said they were coming over. And I was standing in the, uh, the kitchen area just outside the living room talking to them. And I was like, okay. I said, he's not doing very well. He's not, he's not doing well at all. And I hung up the phone. I walked in to the do- I walked to the doorway where he was in the living room. And I noticed he was kind of starting to gasp, you know, like struggle, you know, catching his breath. Right. You know, and I seen his legs, you know, I could tell, you know, because they told me to look, watch his legs for a collar on his legs. So I knew something was coming. I helped because he, when he laid in his hospital bed, he, he stayed set up a little bit. I helped him lay out straight and flatten, you know, like kind of flatten out. Um, I held his hand and he, he died. He passed away. Yeah. That's a tough one, man. Hey, thanks a lot for, you know, coming on tonight. I really appreciate it, man. I really do. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. And you know, it, it was, we wound up getting an hour and 20 minutes out of it. So that was great, man. Appreciate it. Uh, I, I appreciate, I, I enjoyed it and thank you for the invite. And yeah, absolutely, man. Have so, a good time. My name is Mike Famelons and I'm the producer and lead investigator for the show In the Shadow of Big Red Eye. Are you tired of seeing repeat episodes of fake Bigfoot shows? Do you want to join me and my team and see what a true investigation is really like? Then get your knocking stick and let's go. Full episodes of In the Shadow of Big Red Eye can be found by subscribing to our YouTube channel, Sussex County Bigfoot. Also be sure to like In the Shadow of Big Red Eye's Facebook page and follow us on Instagram for giveaways and show updates. And uh, speaking of In the Shadow of Big Red Eye, they just uh, recently had their finale. It was great. Um, Finale on the end of the season. And we're lucky enough to have Charlie Larson with us, who's a member of Sussex County Bigfoot. And he appears on the show. How you doing, Charlie? I'm good, Mike. How you doing? Okay. Good, buddy. Good. So, Excellent. Uh, what season was that? You guys are done, what, now? Five? Is that what it is? Uh, four. It was oh, okay. Four. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, loved, the, loved the last show. I also call it, caught the Salt Fork uh, episode, so it was great. And Awesome. Yeah, you're, um, you do most of the social media for, for Mike, right? And then I yeah. think you yeah. I try to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And then you also hook up, um, you know, his interviews for him and that kind of stuff. Because actually, you and I spoke before I ever spoke to Mike. We talked yes. back and forth to get him on the show. And, Absolutely, um, yep. Yeah, and so your interest with the subject, how, how did you get interested in Bigfoot? Well, it started when I was young. I was living in northwest New Jersey. Um, you know, I, obviously, I, I used to watch the in-search shows, you know, with that one, that got me a little interested. And then obviously there was the $6 million man had that episode. Right. But, there, but there was actually, uh, an incident up, up here in Northwest New Jersey. I think it was in 77 or 78 
and just, just showing the age there, but it was a, a, a family, uh, their farm, like they had a rabbit pen and something was breaking into the rabbit pen and, and like stealing the rabbits and killing them. And so the one night, one night they, I guess they all waited up to see what, you know, who was coming in. It was like a bear or coyote or whatever. And they saw this big, huge, hairy looking, you know, man looking thing going into the pen and you know they they started they shot at it and and so that made the, the local newspaper up you know up by us and so that kind of kind of tweaked my interest a little bit and then obviously a couple months later my, my family we're, we're, we're camping up and you know we're in a cabin up in the same area you know for for a weekend and that you know so it was kind of like in the back of my head you know so that's what kind of tweaked my interest in it and then obviously when you when you get any older you kind of go away from it i was you know living close to the city so I really didn't uh, you know really think about it that much but then probably about i want to say 20 years ago i was I was doing a lot of hiking and i would get these feelings in the woods like there was someone's watching you or like almost like an intimidated feeling right and it's, it's stuff like that it's kind of like you, you can't really explain it and i've had a couple of instances where i just can't explain it and i'm like well you know and that's why i started picking up you know you know, doing some more re- research, and then obviously when the the shows, you know, this last, you know, five six years, there's been loads of shows on TV, so it got me even more interested in the subject. And then finally, you know, how I got involved with Sussex County Bigfoot was, you know, one, once that the the really popular show on uh, you know, one off the air, you know, I was spending a lot of time on YouTube just watching, you're looking for videos, and I was watching this one video, and I'm like, that's kind of in my backyard and I kind of researched it and sure enough, it was a uh, Sussex County Bigfoot. And I was like, all right. And then I looked, uh, I looked on, you know, who, you know, I looked up Mike and he actually lived in my town. So I, I faced it. I messaged him on Facebook. I'm like, Hey, if you ever want to talk about Bigfoot? Let me know. And then, you know, we kind of just, you know, went, went from there, went off from there. So that's awesome. Kind of, yeah. yeah. It, this show is great. You know, Mike's passion comes across in it. He's so well versed in the subject. It's it's just a really good show. You know, there's oh, yeah, so many really shows. Awesome. Yeah, there's so many shows out there that just are full of fluff, you know. Um yeah. like this new one, Expedition Bigfoot. Not particularly a fan, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to see a, a homegrown, you know, show like that. You know, I'm I'm really actually excited about this upcoming season. You know, we got season five and Mike's yep. already putting out some events. We're not going to give any of them away. We can't give away nope. locations. But, nope. you know, it's definitely going to be a, a good time because there's a couple there that we can make, and I'm looking forward to getting out with you guys, definitely. Absolutely. It, it, it is a great experience. I, mean, I, was, I was able to get on two two or three this year, and like you said, Mike is just so knowledgeable, and he's just, you know, great in the woods, and, you know, and he, and he, and he debunks stuff really quickly. You know, it's not like – you're out there and you hear something like, oh, that could be, a, you know, that could be a Bigfoot. He's like, no, it's a, that's a wallet falling or that's an owl. Or that's, you know what I mean? So right. it's kind of like, you know, it's like, oh, calm down. You know, it's not him yet. You know, so, you know, that's he can really appreciate it. And you know, the fact that, you know, he does keep it like a really amateur, you know, that, that's what he wants to do. He wants to keep it like amateur, just get people out and, and, and you know, hiking and camping and just doing stuff, you know, because, you know, we're going to try, I think, going forward, you know, We'll do like little, you know, besides filming the shows, we're going to try to also maybe, you know, show people how to like, you know, start a campfire without, you know, using newspaper and, you know, like, you know, actually, you know, using sticks and stuff like that to start a campfire easily. And that's awesome. Yeah, just different type of survival stuff. And, you know, and he's very knowledgeable in that as well. So, 
you know, it's it's been it's been a pleasure, you know, just uh being able to tag along a couple times and obviously, you know, talking about Bigfoot. So yeah. Yeah, yeah um, like a uh, he's gonna do a little bit of like a Les Stroud crossover. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I guess. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, you and I talk a lot um off the air for you know, because we cross market both shows and you know, we're the mm-hmm. official podcast of, of you guys and you know, vice versa and all that good stuff. And um you were telling me um, you had a couple stories, not so much Bigfoot stories, um, but more along the lines of something else paranormal. So we were talking yeah. a little bit about it. And um, I think one, one time you were a chef, right? Yes. Well, yeah, that's my training. I did go to, you know, I did go, I did go to the culinary Institute up in New York state. So uh, yeah, I did. Nice. Uh, yeah. But I was, uh, yeah, I was cooking for a while. I was rushing, you know, I was managing, you know, for a while so but yeah i was uh you know i was at a private one of the private schools in, in western jersey and, and which is an old building and you would you know not that I, you know i that i saw a ghost but you know i'd be doing inventory down in the basement of this 150 year old building you know it's 90 degrees out high humidity and then you walk through a cold spot and you're like oh, okay <laughs> what's, what's going on here you know it's, yeah where was like, that like, where was that located charlie what, what was the name where, of the place Blairstown, it was Blair Blair Academy. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, like I said, it's an old, an old building, and you know, the downstairs, you know, there's all like you know tunnels that connect to different buildings. So it's kind of a creepy place. But was there any stories that went on about it? Like, you know, I know you personally didn't see anything, but was it was it like rumored to be haunted? You know, people people really didn't talk about it. You know what I mean? They just right. kind of, you know, yeah, just yeah, you just you would you think you just have an experience, and then you know no one would really talk about it. Yeah. You know it's I mean? funny. Like, you know, sometimes people, well, it depends on the venue, right? Like, cause we yeah. have a very, there's a big hotel down here in ocean city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, I won't name, but they, they kind of like, they named their restaurant after the ghost and, you know, they'll, they'll oh, really? talk about, yeah, they'll talk about it off record, but you know, they don't want to like scare anybody away. So sure. I guess it depends, uh, yeah. you know, on what kind of venue you are. Now nowadays, it's becoming sort of kind of like um, fashionable to have a ghost, though. You oh, know? absolutely! Yeah, <laughs> they, they they promote it, and you know, they yeah, they let you stay. You know, some hotels let you stay in the actual rooms where like murders happen, and that's the same way know. this one in Ocean City is. Yeah, I get. Yeah. Matter of fact, I can just it's the Flanders. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I yeah, actually named the restaurant uh, after the actual ghost, but. You know, they we're hoping to get uh, together with those guys and do a show on them as well. We're at least oh, going wow. to go stay in the you know the room itself, so we're going to check oh, wow. that out. Yeah, yeah, but that's great. Yeah, so it it's you know what's interesting though. There's a ton of stories about kitchens and those kind of areas being haunted. You know, like all across the mm-hmm. country, and it makes you wonder. You know, exactly what is it with that, you know? And I know people are very passionate about cooking. People are very passionate about food. So the people that are in that industry, you know, besides the fact that, cause I was in that industry for a little while too, because my family right. had a bar besides, oh, yeah. you know, besides the, the fact that they're passionate, they're also up crazy hours. Yep. <laughs> and yep. you know, there's some other stuff that goes on there. Like you were saying, you and I were talking about the kitchen confidential book. So I, I think it's yeah. that maybe that passion and people just, you know, they're so passionate in that particular field of work that, you know, maybe they just can't stop cooking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but 
there it's also too a lot of these restaurants especially the older ones i mean there are a lot of people you know back in the old days you know, if there's a scuffle or if there's something you know people were getting shot you know what i mean they weren't sure. pulling them outside and you know fighting them they were just pulling the guns and shooting people you know what i mean or yeah. so i mean that, there's a lot of you know unrest in some of those old old buildings that i just seen you know if these walls could talk type thing that you they just <laughs> a lot of different things uh exactly exactly and, and, and then yeah. there was another area um, where I actually, I lived for a while. I lived in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were telling me a little bit of a story about up there. There's tons of ghost stories up there, but you, you actually had a really chilling one up there in a, in a spot that's really, really famous for being haunted. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, my sister went to, you know, went to the college in Bethlehem, Moravian, and I guess her, her, her old dorm used to be a, a revolutionary war old hospital. And then they converted it into dorm rooms, so I guess there was a lot of, a lot of dying going on up in that building. And I, I you know, the story I told you was that I was kind of, you know, just sleeping on the floor because there's no, no place to sleep, and I, you know, got my blanket up by, you know, by my neck. Now it's right? Yeah, exactly. It's just <laughs> trying to fall asleep, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the blanket was just kind of yanked from my, you know, my neck down to my feet, and I was like, and I was kind of holding on to the blanket too, so it wasn't like I threw it down. It was kind of like I was just sitting there with like my, my hands had like no blanket in anymore, and also I looked down and they're about to my feet. I'm like, ah, oh, God, that didn't just happen. So you know, obviously I didn't go sleep much that night. But God, you must have been mortified. Yeah, but you know, like I said, I mean, granted, there was a couple of people in the room, but I didn't want to be, you know, start screaming and everything. I just kind of. It's kind of to myself like, oh man, so I slept with one, you know, one eye open, and yeah, like I said, didn't really get much sleep. But uh, yeah, I, was, Moravian was very famous for that. Very famous yeah. for that. Yep. And then there's one I didn't tell you about was when I was I lived I was living in this uh, old Masonic temple, and down really, like, uh, yeah, it was it's it's it was an old old building, and I was. It, and not to give away the, the uh, location, but it was, I, I was living there for probably about five or six months. I had my bedroom all set up, like nice queen size bed. I'm, you know, sleeping. And I'm kind of leaning on this, my side and I'm, you know, just trying to fall asleep. But like most of my weight was like leaning forward. Right. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, I got kind of like something pushed my shoulder and pushed me on my back. So now I'm like instead of leaning on my side, I'm like now I'm staring at the ceiling, like oh man, what just happened there? <laughs> yeah, so you've so, you've actually been touched a couple times. That's that's yeah. rare, actually. That's a yeah. So that's pretty rare experiences. Yeah. So if I ever go on any experiences with with uh, ever any expeditions with you, I'll make sure I have my helmet on. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you're gonna need it because we attract yeah, exactly. some weird shit. That's for sure. Exactly. Put some shoulder pads on the cup. <laughs> So, you know, you guys are out there. I know Mike doesn't like to call it a hunt. Um, he likes to call it an expedition. But um, this mm-hmm. this past season, um, you know, on on the two shows that you were out there for, did mm-hmm. did you guys get much activity? Uh, we it was kind of weird. Like we were we would be out, uh, you know, doing our hike, and then. The person that was back at the uh, at the camp would say, "Oh, we, I, I hear footsteps, or I hear this." You know what I mean? So right. we come back. I mean, personally, I we I didn't get any you know any experiences as far as like you know because like like I said before, Mike would easily debunk it. Like, oh no, that's that's a 
you know, that's something falling through the trees or, you know what I mean? It wasn't like a rock right. being thrown at us. It's just something falling or, you know, if you heard a knock, it was like, you know, it was all that. It's just the, the wind blowing. The, you know what I mean? So it, it's, you know, but like you said, being out there for the first time and, you know, the first couple of times, it is creepy out there. So your, your senses are really high. Um, and then you know, when we were in Ohio, you know, similar. We, you know, I was, I didn't go to Salt Fork, which I'm kind of regretting right now. That's a good shot. Yeah, that was that was great, and then you know the experience that uh, Sean had was like, wow, <laughs> wow, yeah. I want to try to get Wagner on this show too. He's got so many uh, things he's done. You know, not only with you guys, but he's got that other uh, group yeah. out in Central Pennsylvania. But yeah, yeah, I saw that. It was it was pretty bone chilling. Yeah, I was like, oh man. I mean, I don't even know if I would be able to sit out and be in an isolation for twenty minutes. I'd probably be sitting at the picnic table crying or something. But you know, but. <laughs> But, you know, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, but hopefully, like I said, you know, going forward, you know, we can, we're going to hit some more hot spots and, you know, be able to, uh, you know, have an experience or, like I said, maybe find out more about just about what's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, help me out to understand my experiences, you know, that I've had because uh, there was another experience I had when I was, it was, it was weird. I was, it, I wasn't hiking. I was actually at my house or my, you know, it was like 20 years ago. So I think it was my parents' house. I was up for the weekend or whatever. I'm watching TV in their family room. And it was, it, it, this smell just came, it was just this unbearable smell just came over like, wow. you know, you just smell. And it was like, it was awful. And I'm watching TV and I, I feel like something's watching me through the windows, right? So I'm like looking out the windows and nothing, can't see anything. And then I'm, you know, I'd go outside and look and see and nothing would be there. And it just kind of like, just like I said, just kept on stinking. And I'd, I was looking, it was one time I was looking out the window and my parents' cat came up over by me and she started looking at the window and she started hissing at, you know, whatever was outside the window. Oh, man. Like, yeah. and I was, oh man, it's creepy. Oh, so then, God. yeah, finally, like, you know, I, I was like, oh, forget about it. I'm just watching TV and I just forgot about it. Like, and after an hour, so you hear something like outside, like a, something big was like boom, like moving, and something hit the side of my house, like where, like right where I was sitting, like the wall, like I was sitting against. Almost like, like a wall a, slap, right? It was like a wall punt. It was like a boom. I was like, wow. what the? And I was like, you know, you, you can't, you know, you, you know, is there like a four hundred pound guy outside of my house? You know, you know, four hundred pound woman out there, someone stalking me? I don't know. You know, it's right. like. What's you know what what you know you can't really explain that away so no. you know you know just going on these expeditions you you know you just hope to learn more and experience it again you know what you've experienced maybe put like an answer to it or you know but like I said it's just really intriguing and, and you know what? it gets me out of the house you know, there you gets go me buddy walking around absolutely know? well you know obviously people are seeing something right everybody there's yeah. not all these experiences are hoaxes except you know we we just recently had that horrible video of those guys in salt fork which is oh, an yeah, obvious yeah. hoax yeah i mean at one in one shot um you can see the guy actually has a pocket on the suit yeah <laughs> yeah, no. yeah and it, yeah that's the thing because you know that that is like salt fork is a very popular place you know i mean it, it has a lot of good experience you know yeah these guys are exciting. idiots i, I don't yeah. understand the point in doing it right i mean well, it, they're, they're the community is like, going to flesh you out the community is going to figure out whether you're I just yeah. don't, I never understood hoaxers. I never did. Well, it's just, it's kind of like poking fun at it. You know what I mean? We're not, you know, it's kind of taboo to talk about it anyway. I mean, I can't really right. talk about, 
you know, Bigfoot to any of my friends or family. I mean, my, I know. my nephew, my little nephew loves it. So he talks about it all the time with me. So it's basically me and him talking. Everyone else thinks I'm crazy. So, <laughs> so what you, the, the research that you've done and, you know, just your general experiences, you know, what, what way do you lean on this whole thing? Do you think it actually is a flesh and blood creature? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking at the risk of getting you in trouble. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's my yeah. I think it's flesh and blood, and then I also, you know, I think it, it does migrate, you know, to where the food is. Uh, I think it, you know, it follows, you know, the food sources obviously, but you know, I think, you know, it'll it'll be in an area for a while until it kind of like, pretty much takes what it can from there, then it'll move to another area. And actually, right. I, I think there's a like. like a family unit. I think it's it's not just one. I think it's family members and they reproduce. And you know, I mean, I just think it's it's one of those. It's an animal that we haven't found a species we haven't found yet. You know, because there's just a yeah. lot, a lot of space that you haven't really, you know, tapped into. You know, absolutely. Now, people underestimate how much open country there is in this in this just in this country alone. You know, oh, and it's funny because I I was heavily leaning that way. Um, you know, earlier in the year. And, uh, you know, then a couple of experiences that we had with our gifting in Franklin Parker Preserve kind of let, you know, that kind of took me back towards the more paranormal aspect of it. And that's why yeah, I'm yeah. really anxious to get out with you guys, you know, and take a couple trips. Tracy and I were really looking forward to it because I think, you know, I think it's always going to be until we, you know, we have a definite answer. I think it's always going to be a battle for me personally. I find myself, yeah. you know, kind of going, nah, it's definitely a flesh blood creature. And then, you know, a couple of things happen, like, you know, what happened with us with the gifting. And then there's a, a really good book coming out, you know, by Tim Renner. And he makes a really good argument for, you know, so many things that in Bigfoot reports go unre unreported, like, you know, strange lights and, you know, poltergeist mm -hmm. type activity and, you know, even sometimes women in white, you know, so mm -hmm. it, it, and that kind of has me leaning back paranormal. So it's time for me to get my uh, scales back the other way and get out with you guys and actually get out in the field and do some field work. Yeah. And Mike says this as well, and I agree with him. No, there's no real experts in this field. No. You know what I mean? It, it's, you know, there's everyone's experiences and you know people doing researches and, you know, obviously, you know, people do enough research to, you know, figure out if it's a hoax or not. But like I said, there's no real true experts in it. You know, unless you have, you find it and, you know, you can study it. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, but yeah, like I said, I mean, you know, I, like I said, I lean more towards the flesh and blood. But like I said, I'm, I'm not going to dismiss, you know, paranormal or UFO or anything. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to dismiss that because it's it's someone's opinion and, and it's, you know, until I'm proven wrong, you know, you gotta, you gotta appreciate them going out and doing their research on, on the, on the idea of it too. So, Absolutely. you know, uh, supporting the community, not, you know, banning or shunning people because they don't think the way you think. You exactly. I, yeah. I never got that either. I don't understand the whole argument. You know, I think it's the old guard. I, I actually think that's the leftover old guard or just so protective of this thing being, you know, like a, an actual flesh and blood creature. And, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you're right. It doesn't matter what it is. People are seeing stuff and we're trying to figure it uh -huh. out, you know? Yeah, we intend, to, we intend to hit the subject pretty hard this year, um, even to the point where we're going to go up and we're going to do that. Uh, Tracy and I, we were just talking about this right before I came up to do the interview. We were talking about booking that cabin up in Canada. 
from Monster oh, Quest. Yeah. yeah, we're actually going to do it, man. We're going to go forward with it. So, oh, wow, really? Yeah, oh, at least for now, it'll at least be just her and I, you know, and then anybody else that we can get going. Right, I might right. even actually open it up to the audience. I might say to the audience, hey, you know, if, you, if you're interested, you know, book in with us because I think the cabin sleeps like eight. But, yeah. You know, wow. they yeah. had uh, so many experiences up there. They would, they would, the cabin is literally like 200 miles away from civilization. And sure, they, yeah. they would come up after the winter and it would be all torn apart. You know, it would be like yep. uh, they ripped a refrigerator off the wall, all kinds of stuff. And they, they started putting a, a nail mat out in front yeah. of the door. And then one year when they came back, there was actually some blood on there and some hair. And it, you know, got examined and came back as an unknown primate. So that's the place that I think we're going to go up and hit. And then, you know, not only that, you can fish for a week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right out your front door. So how he could you go things, wrong? Right? Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's, oof, yeah, that, 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 that's a tempting. Uh, I know, man, yeah, right. yeah. We're going to, I think I think that's probably what we'll do. We'll probably open it up to the audience to try to see if, you know, anybody else wants to go up with us, because I would love, uh, just, I'm going to get enough material out of it for probably five shows. <laughs> Absolutely, oh, you probably, yeah. you probably loads of, you know, well, that's a lot of good stuff you probably get out of that. Yeah, yeah so cool. between what we're going to go out and do with you guys, plus that, we're going to be hitting the subject pretty hard this year. It's one of my favorite subjects. Oh, yeah. it's Like, you know, like I said before, it's a guilty pleasure. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, yeah, I got a couple guys at work that I, that I work with her that are, you know, we, you know, we'll talk about it. And then also if someone else walks in, I'm like, uh, you know, we talk about the football or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but, it's like, but it, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more people that you know. I think than you think that you know either believe it or you know treat it as a guilty pleasure and a watch. You know, yeah. Or well, I don't understand at all people dismissing it completely. You know that that's the part I you know I mean that they just when somebody you know comes out and says ha 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 you know you're an idiot for believing in Bigfoot. That's just somebody that's completely closed minded. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's funny. Well, yeah, you know, being from North Jersey. You know, it's so close to Manhattan or New York City that, you know, all, they're like, oh, there's no way it could be up here in Sussex County. And then I just, I pull off, you know, either I'll show a picture of the, of the, the our T-shirt, the Sussex County Bigfoot T-shirt, which has the footprint that Mike cast up in uh, one of the state parks up here. And I'm like, well, you know, this was found up up here. So, you know, how big of a man is that, you know? <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you, want, you, want, you, know, you try to be, yeah, you don't want to be too defensive about it, but then, you know, but you don't want to sound like a lunatic either. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Yeah. so, man, I really appreciate you coming on tonight. I'm really looking forward to getting out with you guys on some expeditions and um, looking forward to season five. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If you could just let everyone know to subscribe to us, uh, Kenny Bigfoot on YouTube. And uh, we have, you know, a Facebook page, Kenny Bigfoot. And the show is uh, in the shadow of Big Red Eye. And then we also have Mike also does those Squatchables, which is like the little mini series of right. like just at, how to pack your you know your your day pack and you know, it's it's you know he does a really good job with that. But oh, and also Instagram or uh, Shadow of Red Eye. So, but yeah, and I appreciate you like you have me on and uh, the conversations that we you know you got it, buddy. Have, so. Hey, I'm Matt DeSanto. I'm famous. Google me. Anyway, when I'm not busy racking up prizes on Wheel of Fortune, I'm listening to Wicked Garden Podcast. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witnessed accounts of the strange and unexplained. 
covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. Looking forward to being in the woods with those guys this summer. It should be a lot of fun. I agree. And uh, Les, thanks again for that great interview and, you know, that that story you told us at the end, I I know, uh, you know, that was a tough one to tell. So a couple of great guests looking forward to have less on the show. Uh, hopefully often to update us on what's going on down in West Virginia. Boy, there's a lot of stuff down there. You got Mothman, you got the Flatwoods monster, you got Bigfoot. There's, it's just a general weirdness. Would that be because it's weird, wild and wonderful? Yes. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, but it's we, always, we've been in West Virginia. Yeah. It It is different. Yeah, for we're, sure. We're going back. We're we going to be going doing Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Um, you know, if you if there's any listeners down that way, I'll announce when we're going to go down there. If you guys want to hop in with us and investigate with our team, because, uh, you know, it's it's a whole big team going down there. We'd love to have you. So I'll make sure I make some type of announcement there. Um, once again, if you guys could go over to Patreon and help us out, um, you know, it helps us offset the cost of making the show, uh, shows free for you guys. It's not free for us to produce, but we love it. We love it anyway. It's a passion project, but, uh, you know, a dollar a month buys you an extra episode. Um, and it buys you all the extra material. So if you uh, have it in your heart and you'd like to help us out, go over to, uh, Patreon and search on Wicked Garden Podcast and sign up there. There are different levels you can sign up for and you get a shout out. And as a matter of fact, we better shout out our patrons. We would. Thank you very much, Penny, Georgie, Marie, and Lynette. Really appreciate it, guys. You guys make the show happen. And, um, you know, at that length, I think we'll let everybody get out of town. <laughs>